Well, um, today we're going to continue our walk through the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be going through a series called The Journey to the Cross. Now, uh, we learned last week that in this series, our, our goal for the series this week is that we want to um, kind of take a look at the extent that it took Jesus to get to the cross. Like, what did it take? Well, what was the cost for him to get to the cross? And then we wanted to also look about what happened along the way. This is the journey to the cross. So on a journey you go and you make pit stops and you look at different things. And so this is our journey to the cross. And then we wanted to ask ourselves, if we know what it took for Jesus to get to the cross, if we know what it looked like for him to get to the cross, what is our response and how do we respond? So what does it mean to us? Like, what does it mean to us? In fact, I think a lot of times we come to church and we hear a pastor preach and maybe we'll yell at you a little bit. Maybe you feel a little convicted. And the goal of, of a church is not to make you guys feel condemned and convicted into believing in Jesus. The goal of the church is to surround you with love and to encourage you and challenge you to grow into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And so on the journey to the cross, the the whole emphasis here is not just to scare you into heaven, but to give you a deeper understanding of why we are to worship Jesus with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Amen? Because it's not simply enough to do things out of obedience, but we should do things out of obedience and also with a clear understanding of why we're doing these. Because we view God as Lord And not simply Savior. And if you view someone as Lord, you do things because you are obedient to him. And you love him. And it's a joy to serve him. It's a joy to die to your flesh. And so that's what we want to do. Now last Sunday we learned that Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men. An evil man. And he endured the suffering of those evil men so that the hand of the evil one may not ever be upon us as believers in Christ. Then we said that our proper response to that is to live a life that is pleasing to God. And we said that that word, life pleasing to God, that term literally means a life that is righteous, a life, a life of righteousness. And then at the end of the scriptures, we found Jesus kind of being led away. He was captured by these men. He was delivered into the hands of these men. And he was being led off to be standing before a council of both the the priests, the elders, and the scribes. And that's exactly where we're going to find Jesus here today, on trial, in the middle of a courtroom, so to speak. In case you might not remember, Jesus has stood before all of these men before in the past few chapters of the Gospel of Mark. Back in chapter 9, chapter 10, Jesus was, was coming into the city. And the chief priests and the, the high priests and the, the scribes and the elders all came before Jesus. And they tried to ask him questions. And they tried to challenge him. And all these words were just ways to try to trick Jesus into slipping up and saying something that would condemn him. So that they have a reason to kill Jesus. But it didn't work out that way. In fact, every time these guys came up to Jesus and they would ask him a question or something like that. They would make him, he would make the scribes and the elders just look really, really dumb. He would answer in a way that was so over their heads. He would answer in a way that was so different than what they have ever heard before. before. And they would, they would just be so dumbfounded by it. And in a moment, you're going to see that they were so angry about that. They were so angry that this council that, is, that he's standing before, that they were so angry that they, they're, they're fed up with him. And they are ready, and they are calling out his blood. And they want his death. 
In the moment, you're going to see that Jesus is going to be accused and condemned for something that he does not deserve. And my hope here today is that in understanding that, that in understanding that, that we will see that it is not him that needs to be accused, but it is we who deserve that accusation. It is we who deserve that accusation, but Jesus becomes the substitute for our condemnation. Amen? So if you have a copy of the scriptures, go ahead and open it up. I don't know if you have your Bible with you. There's some in front of the chairs. If you have your phone, open it up. Or maybe you're like old school and you like carry a, a bunch of scrolls around like Isaiah. You're going to open it up or something. If that is you, whatever it is, open up to Mark chapter 14, verse 53 is where we're going to be getting started. Also, if you, don't, if you don't have a Bible, if you're one of those tech-savvy people, if you're a Facebookaholic, and I know you are because I see your post, you can log on to the Impact City Church Facebook page, and today's scriptures have just been posted on there. While you're there, go ahead and check in and let someone know what's going on here at Impact City Church. So I'll give you guys a chance to get there. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 53. 14, verse 53. If you're the type of person that carries scrolls with you with scriptures on there, I mean, you're, you're cool. Like, straight up. Like, that's awesome. Like, I wish I could do that. All right, so 53. Mark 14, verse 53. It says here, And they led Jesus to the high priests. And all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. Which, by the way, was a, was a really crazy thing. Just side note here. Was they never came together. These guys, they worked in the same direction, but they, they didn't really like each other. So for them to come all together on the account of to try to get Jesus, they were really putting their pride aside. They really wanted him dead. So they all came together in verse 53. And then 54 says, And Peter followed him at a distance. Remember, Peter was the guy who sliced the ear off the Roman officer last week. And he's following them at a distance. He says, Following them at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. But they found none. For many bore false witness against him. But their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and they bore false witness against him saying we heard him say that i will destroy the temple that is made with hands and in three days i will build another made without hands that is not made with hands verse 59 it says and yet even about this their testimony did not agree and the high priest stood up and in the midst asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent. He remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. And as soon as he said that, the high priest tore open his garments and said, What further witness do you need? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? He asked the crowd, What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying prophecy. And the guards received him with blows. They began to beat the crap out of Jesus. Jesus stands before the council and is falsely accused here. 
He stands before all these men and he is falsely accused. The scribes, the elders, and the priests have been trying for weeks now to end the ministry of Jesus. And tonight they have him right where they want him. Problem is, one problem though, they're trying to bring accusations against Jesus, but there's nothing to accuse Jesus of. They're saying that we can try to trick Jesus. We can try to bring accusations of him that he is sinning against Yahweh, that he is sinning against God. But the problem is that Jesus doesn't sin. And so everything that they would bring against him, every charge they would bring against Jesus held no water. They couldn't do anything about it. They would say, well, he did this, and then the accounts didn't line up, and they would say, well, I heard him doing this, or I saw him doing that, but then the witnesses were lying to each other, trying to get the story across, and it wasn't lining up. Check it out again, verse 55. It says, now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death. They brought him, but they didn't even have any reason to put him to death, but they were seeking a way to do it. But they found none. They said they couldn't even figure out why. Many more bore false witnesses against him, but their testimonies did not agree. Have you ever gotten in trouble with your parents? When you're like brothers and sisters, you're like, man, this is the way the story's going to go down, and we're going to get together, we're going to lie to mom and dad, we're going to make sure that they don't know that I broke the vase, and, the, and I'm sorry about that, mom. You know, like, you know, they don't know about that. And then you gather together and then you try to lie in front of your parents and you don't make the same story. And then your sister said something that's not the right way. And then your brother said something. You're like, man, I thought we, re- we rehearsed this. That's exactly what's going on here. It says, some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy the temple that was made with hands. And in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet, even about their testimony, they did not agree. And the priest stood up and they ripped off their garments and said, what furthermore reason do you need here? He's blaspheming. They put him to death. There's a couple of things that are happening here. A couple of things going on. One is that we need to be looking at the scripture. We need to be reminded about how perfect Jesus is. That Jesus is so perfect that they had to actually go to the extent of lying, very, very lengthy lies to get him to be condemned. He was perfect. The other thing I want us to kind of figure out here is this reminds us how imperfect we are. This reminds us how imperfect we are as human beings. You see, it is in the perfection and the reflection of Jesus that we see ourselves for who we truly are. It is in the reflection and the perfection of Jesus that we see ourselves for who we truly are. Just like Ezekiel was saying that when he looked in the mirror, the problem is not what is looking back at him. The problem is what he actually sees. The fact that when we compare ourselves to the perfectness of Jesus, when we compare ourselves to the perfectness of Jesus and we are apart from Jesus, then we are soaking in sin. That we are soaking in sin. And it's in this moment that we are reminded that the accusations against Jesus, the accusations that he is sinning against God are not meant for him, but really they are meant for us. And we justly deserve those accusations. I mean, we deserve the punishment and we deserve the death that Jesus was receiving. Now I know what you're going to say, though. I know what you're thinking. Jeez, Felix, gosh. You've been here like three weeks now, and every week you've talked about sin. And every week you've talked about how Jesus is going to redeem us. And every week you talk about this. Yes, I do talk about it a lot because I don't see how we cannot not talk about this. I don't see how we cannot not talk about this because us as people are quick, are quick to forget our place in the world. 
that you and me as people, we're quick to forget who we are in this world. We are prone to wander, as the old hymn says, prone to wander. We are quick to make idols of ourselves. Whenever we do something good, we want to puff ourselves up. Whenever we see something great happening in our lives, we want to puff ourselves up, and that's okay. It's okay to be good. It's okay to be successful, but the credit does not go to our greatness. The credit goes to God's greatness. And we are quick to say that we are good by the world's standards, but neglect to reflect on the standards of Jesus. That many of us will sit here in the room today and you think you have it all together by the world's standards. But if you looked at the reflection and perfection of Jesus, you would see an ugly truth. Is that we are not all perfect. That we need a Savior. Everything we do points back to him. We're going to talk about it often because it reminds us of where we need to be going. And if you only hear it on Sundays, you're not hearing it enough. The gospel uh, is, is living word. We must be diving into it daily. Everything we do points back to Jesus because Jesus is worthy of it. And you see it again here in Scripture. He is worthy of it because what he has done for us. Whenever you want to align yourself up and, and figure out what your purpose in life is, don't go by what you do at work or what you do in school or how you treat your family. Go by what Jesus has done for you. And last week we saw that Jesus was willing to go into the hands of sinful men, shedding his glory, dropping his, 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 just his power and everything he was, and going forward in humility like a captive robber for me and you. This week we're gonna, we see him standing like a criminal before a council, accused and condemned for all of our sakes, being, and he doesn't willingly, stepping up to the role to be condemned. We worship Jesus because of what he has done. Not just on the cross, but the steps he took to get to the cross. Jesus was up there, right in the forefront of the council. And he said, when they couldn't even bring an accusation against him, he stayed quiet. And they would lie about something, he would stay quiet. And you know what really did him in? Was him just finally saying, I am. I am. And you're going to see me coming on clouds in the right hand of the the Father. You're going to see it coming. And it was at that moment that he willingly stepped into the, the seat of condemnation for us. He was doing it for us. And a statement like that was viewed as blasphemy and condemnable by death. When Jesus willingly stepped into the role of being condemned for us. He stood there condemned for me and you. Now the, we sang a song earlier today called Hallelujah, What a Savior. And I will not sing it for you because that would be bad and everyone would leave. Believe me, you would. And, uh, the, but I will read you the lyrics. I want to read some of the lyrics to you. The song just kind of captures this, this moment in Scripture. It says, Man of sorrows, what a name. It says, For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. It says, Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned. He stood, in our place condemned, he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. What we're seeing here is the heart of the gospel. What we're seeing here is the heart of the gospel, the fact that Jesus serves as the perfect substitute for our sins. It sees that that why he came to, to the earth was to do this for us. We see that the reason why he came to earth was to do this. That's why the angels told Mary earlier in the chapter, in the beginning of Matthew, 
When he came to Mary, he said, yeah, you're going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a child. And he said this, that you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, from the very beginning, Jesus' whole role was to come and save us from our sins. Jesus serves as substitute. But what exactly does that mean for us? If he serves as substitute, what does that mean for us? It means that we are acquitted of every accusation ever held against us. That we are acquitted of the accusations of sin that are held against us. Accusations that say that we have sinned, that we have betrayed God. The accusations that were held against Jesus that were rightfully placed upon our heads. See, they couldn't place it on Jesus because he was truly innocent, but not us. No, 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 not us. Not us. See, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sucks for us. That really is a bad deal because in that one verse, it levels the playing field of everyone in this room and me included. That we have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much money you don't have. I don't care how much crime you've committed. I don't care how much donations you've made. I don't care where you are on the social economical status. You are even in the eyes of God. But the very next verse redeems us. Verse 23 condemns us. Verse 24 redeems us. It says, And all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That we are all condemned, that we are all fall short of the glory of God, but his grace is a gift through the redemption of Jesus Christ. So here's the point, and please don't miss it. God has sent his son to serve as substitute payment for our sins. Substitute payment for our sins. It does not matter what sin you have committed or where you are in life. Jesus stood willingly as the condemned for you and for me so that we could be acquitted of all the charges. You no longer have to feel condemned. You no longer have to be accused. You no longer have to feel like you are on trial for your sins. And you know what? Maybe you need to hear that today. Like, maybe that's what you need to hear today. You know, a lot of times we come up here, we try to give you this big, long, lengthy sermon, and we try to tell you all these things, and we try to teach you some hermeneutics in the process, and teach you about theology, and that's really cool things. But maybe you just need to hear that you are simply loved by God, by the the Savior and the Creator of the world. Maybe that's what you need today. Like, maybe earlier this week, or maybe throughout this week, maybe you've kind of strayed away from God. Maybe you've gone away from the things that you know held you right. Maybe this past year has been nothing but trouble. And you're here today, and maybe you just need to hear the words of Jesus that says that I love you. Maybe that's you here today. I don't know what brought you here today. I don't know the reason why you walked in here. But I know that you are here for a reason. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's because your identity is not in the things that you have done, but you need to know that your identity is in what Christ has done for you. So you're not addicted. You're not addicted to things. You're not full of pride. You're not the type of person that is that your identity is based on what God has done for you and God has gone to the cross and saved you. And all you have to do is to accept that and live that and become the righteousness of God. And when you have become that, you step out of the darkness and into the light. Maybe you just need to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear this church is here for you. 
Maybe you've been looking for a church. Maybe you've been kind of wandering around. Maybe, you know what? You know, let me just say this. Maybe church has hurt you in the past. Let me even go a step further. Maybe this church has hurt you in the past. But this church, when we, when we came into this building, we said that we want to be a church that is full of grace. We want to be a church that never turns someone away because of what they've done. And I don't care what you're struggling with. But we want to be a church that is here to welcome you and love you. And to long suffer with you. Even when you go away. Even when you run. Even when you feel like, like, like you don't belong here. We want to be a church that welcomes you. We want a church that welcomes you. And listen, we're a church that needs you. We're a church that needs you. We're a church that needs you to help reach this community. We're a church that needs you in all of your imperfections. We're a church that needs you in all of your imperfections. And we need you to, to just be an example of God's grace in our lives. We're a church that's real. We want to, that's what makes us real. That's what makes us family. So we're able to stand here and be honest with each other and say, Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. But I'm stretching and I'm reaching towards the goal, the upward call of Christ Jesus. So please, receive that today. Just understand that Jesus loves you. If you need to talk about something, reach out to me or one of the elders here at the church. Reach out and just run quickly to the feet of Jesus. Surrender your life back to him and start living a life that pleases God. Amen? Let's pray. God, we just, um, we just want to acknowledge the fact that we are not perfect. None of us are. We want to give praise and thanks, Lord, to the fact that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, to serve as substitute payment for the death that we so rightly deserve. Lord, accusations were brought against you, Lord, and you, you stood there perfectly, the same accusations that could be brought against us and could serve to condemn us, but yet you stood there, Lord, offering forgiveness for us. But God, we are so thankful for that, Lord, and we want, we want to just lift that up to you today. Maybe you're here in the room today. Maybe you've, you've, you've never accepted Jesus as your Christ, as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't want to give you the opportunity not to do it today. Every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just, would just make that connection today? That is with you. If you need to make that today, maybe you need to repent and say, Lord, I, I, have, I, 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 just, I need you, Lord. I need to follow you, Lord. I need you in my life. Lord, I for, please forgive me for all the sins I have done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the trespasses, all the, all the messed up things I have done. Lord, forgive me for everything that that I, this comes and stands in between me and you, Lord. Forgive me for, for always going back to that one certain thing that I know I should never go back to you, Lord. Forgive me for that, Lord. If that is you, if you want to surrender your life today, with every eye closed and every head bowed, would you just raise your hand? If that is you today, if you need that in your life. If you need to know that Jesus loves you, Lord. If that is you, just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And for many of us here, we are Christians. We were Christians, and we, and we call ourselves Christians. But maybe we have strayed just a little bit. We're still children of you, Lord. We haven't lost our salvation, but maybe we're not living our salvation. Lord, we just pray for forgiveness. 
you would just forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for following our eyes and following our flesh versus following the things of you, Lord. Lord, accept our lives as a sacrifice and an offering back to you. And Christian, if that is you here today, if you, have, if you are straight and you're trying to get back on track, let today be the first day. May you know that God loves you. May you know that no matter what you have done, Jesus still loves you. And this is a church that loves you. Christian, if that is you, if you want to recommit your life to Jesus, may you just raise your hand and stand firmly and say that I, I need you, Lord. I have not done things right. I value you and I vow to go back and continue to live rightly. Father God, we thank you for this church and we thank you for every soul here that's here in this room here today. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to just grow into us. Lord, that we will continue to be a church that encourages and challenges people to continue their walk with Christ. We pray that we be a church that continues to make disciples, not simply followers, but disciples, those who will go out into the community, into this world, into this life, and create more disciples for the Lord. We be a church of grace, understanding, and loving, and welcoming. We be a church that lays aside all of our own sins at the foot of the cross so that we may reach out to others and lead them back to you. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let us all stand and pray and give thanks to the Lord and worship Him. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Let's stand.